Welcome in to Keon here. I am Vince McKee. Our next guest today, Michael Hutter, a man who went by the name of the Deviant many years ago when I first met him. Uh, as you guys know him very well, uh, Derek Bateman, but obviously EC3, Ethan Carter III, uh, one of the biggest and best storylines I think Impact ever came up with. But he's here today to talk about CYN. And uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Michael, what a bizarre <laughs> thing to be called. When somebody yeah. calls you by your legitimate firstborn Christian name, you're kind of shocked. But when I'm when I hear Michael, I hear my mother yelling at me. That's about the only thing I remember from the term Michael. Because even growing up in Ohio, Willoughby, I had a I had nicknames, or I was a last name guy. So Michael. Uh, but it's very good to be here. Thank you for having me, Vince. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, all joking aside, it's been great to follow your career. Uh, you know, us being mainly based in Northeast Ohio, to see a local guy like yourself make it as far as you have, it's been a thrill yeah. to follow you, quite quite frankly. Um, I made it almost as far as the, the astronaut from Willoughby South, right? And then uh, I made it almost as far as entertainment as the uh, writer of Cheers. So, you know, good company. It is. It is. I mean, I, I went to North Olmsted High School, so I have to compete with people like Michael Burke, the announcer, uh, Denise yeah. Tafala, who made it big on Channel 19 News. So as long as I could finish in the top five of North Olmsted High School, you know, most famous people. You're good. You're good. Apparently, right. yeah. Yeah. Top five ain't bad. I no. was just thinking about high school. I'm just thinking about high school, actually. I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm due for a reunion, but nobody ever put one together. So that co yeah. Coming up on 21 years for you. I know, I know it's about two, three, we're so a year we missed, apart. If that's the case, yeah. then we missed 20. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Hey, you got something big coming up here, May 13th. Uh, I believe it's at the Odeon still. Uh, CYN, control your own narrative. First things first, tell us all about the show. What can fans expect that night? And what are they going to do for their ticket? You know, I've sat in the seat of a uh, fan from the highest level, you know, shows, like from WWE or Impact or arena shows or stadium shows. And I've sat in the seats of fans that, you know, uh, independent shows or the beginning aspect of professional wrestling. And I sat in each and every seat and knowing that it's like, I know we can provide something unique and a niche within this industry that is kind of lacking. And that's kind of a, a different feel. So I partnered with the formerly known as Braun Strowman, myself, Adam Scher, and another partner from Cleveland, Jedediah Kaziski, who is uh, from North Royalton, I don't know, Parma area. We all, you know, him and I had these Cleveland roots and we started within wrestling in Cleveland. He was an original founder of the uh, AIW promotion who's still thriving today. Uh, we started things with Firestorm on the independent scene before I was signed by WWE and took my journey to uh, celebrity status. But to come back to Cleveland with our new take on wrestling, our new niche and our new brand, providing it for not just a hardcore wrestling audience, like that's that demographic has everybody, you know, targeting it within wrestling. What we want to apply to is reality-based and real stories of the real talent we have in our rings, but also stories that resonate with real people and real fans. And this is family-friendly. This is a fun, you know, a fun environment, a unique environment. It's something we have like this grand vision for. We're just now applying it to live aspects. So. Cleveland being one of our first targets just because it's home, it felt right. How do fans get tickets for this? What's the best way to go? 
Tickets are available through our website, and I hate saying this because we don't have it as a .com, but controlyournarrative.co, or if you go to Ticket Leap, search Control Your Narrative, the tickets for May 13th at the Odeon in Cleveland will be available. Tickets will be available at the door as well, but uh, I mean, general admission is $15. You know, there's VIP meet and greets, with, like you want to meet Braun Strowman, you want to meet EC3. There's VIP meet and greets. If you don't get a VIP meet, you'll probably meet us anyways because we do get very excited after the shows and tend to reach out to the fans. So, Excellent. With, yeah, within CYN, too, it's just bringing in a lot of talent that never has had the platform to be who they truly are, are the kind of stories I want to focus on. So there's a lot of name talent, but then there's a lot of talent that you don't know yet, but you will. Excellent. You know, and you mentioned it right in the beginning. How special is it for you to come home and do this show? You know, growing up in Willoughby, uh, being a part of, of really the community. Like I've told anybody, if you're within 25 to 35 minutes of Cleveland, I think we're all in the same family. So for you to come right. Home, so right there in Cleveland, how does that feel for you? It feels rewarding for the sense that, you know, throughout my career, impact never had a lot to do with Cleveland. So I never had, you know, a great homecoming. When I was with the WWE, I wasn't in a great position to warrant a great homecoming. I was kind of, you know, low end on the card. So I never had a moment within the city that, you know, I grew up in that created me, that made me, that, you know, because of the city and the people around me allowed me to go and become who I became. So to be able to have a moment within the city, it means a lot. So hopefully May 13th at the Odeon, I have a moment, and then each and every fan that shows up that's a moment as well. So got to talk about it a little bit here. The biggest thing we do at Keon Sports is we cover – high school football. I mean, I'm telling you, it's neck and neck with our Cleveland Browns coverage. Gigantic wow. football fans here. And you've seen Northeast Ohio, Ohio all over. It's enormous high school football. So I have to ask you, man, I knew you almost going back 20 years ago, watching you wrestle in the Indies, like you said, AIW. Um, how come you never got into high school football? I have to ask, because you are jacked out of your mind. What, yeah. what happened? I didn't I didn't grow until I was 18. So I was a school okay. kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I could take a hit, but I couldn't deliver a hit. And yeah, I was a late bloomer. Probably the only reason I grew is because I think there was a cute girl in high school who said, oh man, I'd date him if he just had some muscle. And I think that's what the like, catalyst to work out was. But uh, even at the time, Go Rebs, um, it was not you know the prestigious program it is today. You know, That's true. So it, it wasn't a dire need to play, but... If I do have regrets through high school, which I do, don't get me wrong, one of them would not be uh, having competed in, you know, whether it was football or followed through on baseball a little bit more, or even picked up uh, wrestling, even if it was only to be adequate at best, just team sports or sports in general teach you so much about who you are and who you want to become and discipline and, you know, self-sufficiency, which I think lack a lot especially today. I found it through wrestling because when, you know, everyone was at the football games Friday nights, I was, we were creating wrestling shows in our backyard, you know? So like, but through that, I'm like, this is something I actually want to do. There's just no way to do it for a teenager. But then that's what, you know, helped me become athletic, find a gym, 
learn, teach myself, you know, movement and patterns and things like that till the time was right. So, which is something I could have picked up doing lateral raises, and, you know, shuffles on the football field with Jeff Fox, but. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, again, uh, the crazy thing about wrestling now, here we are in 2022 is, you know, way back when really there was, there wasn't an NXT and a true NXT system like there is now, uh, you know, schools all over the place still existed, but really the, the, the WWE, as we knew it had feeder systems with OVW and clearly FCW Florida championship wrestling. You spent some back in FCW when you were there, was there anybody that jumped out to you like this? I think this guy is going to be a star as you were working with them or even watching them. Yeah, short of a Derek Bateman with the dumbass curly hair, not knowing what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> honestly, yeah, there was a guy. His name was Husky Harris. Oh, you know, that, you know, you know who that yeah. became right. Ray Wyatt. Yeah, exactly. It's same with uh, Axel Mulligan. Uh, who else? Like Justin Gabriel, like was a standout. Even Heath Heath Slater was a really standout, and one of the uh, the most talented in ring people. I've ever been in the ring with and ever seen want to be dirty dango, you know, fandango. Oh, sure. So like, yeah. you know, the skills and ability he possessed, like he had a good time and a fun run and, you know, he was very successful, but that's another thing about control your narrative is that I want to see guys like that realize the potential they can without, you know, the machine behind them and the undercutting and the political bullshit part of my language but stuff of that nature, like what held a Fandango back from not being the next Randy Orton other than maybe he did the wrong thing at the wrong time or somebody lost faith in him for one second, you know, but like being allowed to make mistakes and fail is a big part of what we're doing, especially with younger talent who want to come aboard, you know, because through that failure, if Derek Bateman didn't fail, there would never have been EC3, you know. So if EC3 never failed on his return to the WWE, who knows where this goes, but there would be no control your narrative. So through these failures is how we learn to grow as people and as talent. And that's kind of what we want to exploit. Well, what's amazing about the guys you listed, if fans go back and watch the original seasons of NXT, those, a lot of those guys you just named became members of Nexus. First of all, yeah. so Justin Gabriel, he's later a part of the original Nexus. Then they had that second season Harris, we all know Bray Wyatt came out of, and then uh, I believe Johnny Curtis, who then became Fandango from there. I believe yeah, I he, he was on. He was on season four because he's on the four. season I was in. You want to hear right. something funny? Oh, please go ahead. Yeah, because we were kind of competing in a fake competition, yeah. but uh, so we had the finale of season four actually in Cleveland. I remember the winner of the winner of NXT was to be decided, and. By all accounts and purposes, despite the company not wanting it, Derek Bateman was winning all the polls. But on the second to last episode, Derek Bateman got eliminated. Yep. So there's a big controversy. That's probably because, I don't know, they didn't want me to win, or maybe I didn't win. Who cares? It's, you can't. There's no winners or losers in a false made-up game show. But at the same time, that's always something I looked at. Like, maybe that could have been a moment in Cleveland. But it wasn't. So maybe that moment comes here, May 13th at the Odeon in Cleveland. been huge. And I mean, it's funny, too, because my wife, who had nothing to do with professional wrestling until we got married, is everybody that's hooked now that as I am. Right. 
we were at that show. And I actually remember telling her, hey, you know, this guy's actually from Cleveland. Too bad he didn't make it to the finals. I believe it was like Brody and, and Fandango made the it was. top two. But I remember thinking like, man, we were so close to having a Cleveland guy to cheer for tonight. That would have been really cool. But so that leads me to my question. This is, um, okay, so this is like sports journalist guy, but at the same time, mm-hmm. wrestling fan, right? I have to ask this. Back when NXT was more of that uh, hybrid reality game show that you're on, right? And they made a big deal about pairing up each young talent with a coach. Obviously, you got you got with Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him. That legitimately would be a huge deal, right? Like that's yeah. the kind of guy you want to learn for him. But behind the scenes, and I, I don't want you to have to give away too much, but true, how, how much did he actually coach you? Like, was that legit or was that just for show one hour a week? By coaching, I mean, we weren't, like, having practice sessions together and, like, blowing around tape. and like, breaking over tape by no means. But we were very much hands-on creating the, uh, the horse shit. Can I say that? The nonsense. Yeah. The nonsense we created out there because we both wanted – we both knew what the deal was. Like, the show is goofy and dumb, and they don't care about it, so we're going to have fun with it. So we were very hands-on on – like making that dynamic between us kind of work. So he was awesome in that retrospect. And also we did that one thing where I answered all of his questions correctly because we rigged, we rigged the answers because he couldn't rig the questions. And that led to me being punished, AKA losing the show because wrestling is so dumb. But yeah, yeah as far as like literal coaching, he wasn't you know sitting there with a whistle Mick while I'm rock hitting the heavy bag, you know, but we had fun. I mean, I always wondered about that type of thing. Um, and I know for me too, watching it as a fan, at first I thought nothing would ever come of it. And the, when they did that original season and then all those guys showed up on Raw the next week and attacked John Cena, I was like, holy smokes. I'm like, I guess they actually did have something for this. So yeah, and a lot of times with like, especially there, that stuff comes up at the last second too. So they may not have had anything until the very end. And someone's like, Here's an idea, and someone's like, you know what, that's actually good. Because sometimes you can tell when an idea is created very quickly because how does it follow up? Especially right. that. That was, like, super hot and nobody expected it. Like, the follow-up was like, okay, now do we, what do we do? And, you know. Oh, that was, I can't, that was ridiculously over that entire summer. Yeah. Uh, John Cena pretty much beat them all at SummerSlam that year yeah. for, for a while. That was, that was a pretty That'll big happen. deal. That'll happen. Yeah. Hey, you know, moving on from that for a little bit here, though, your character, and I'm not just saying this, I mean this, your character, to me, was easily one of the greatest gimmicks, you know, Impact ever came up with, because they've had some wires, and they've had some ones that were good, and they've had terrible moments in Impact. But yours, how do you not hate the right? Like, this was genius. Everybody who's worked with anybody, if there's any kind of family ties to the ownership, that's almost instantly the most disliked person. So, yeah. right. So how did you come up with this? Was it your idea? Who came? I, I just love everything about it. Uh, yeah. That's funny. You mentioned about the ownership and art imitating life because it's true. As far as the creation of the idea, it was actually something else in talks with them. That was an idea. Like Dixie Carter has a nephew, but like from there, it was very hands-on between us all, putting it together, name, reason, why, how, and things of that nature. So it was a right place at the right time for me, especially because 
the second the idea, unlike WWE where I'm throwing ideas, throwing ideas, throwing ideas, nothing's coming back. One great idea came to me where I'm like, I can own this and I can roll with this. Just, you know, give me a shot to do it. And they did. They gave me a very good opportunity to do it. And if anybody else did it, it would have probably been, you know, a different character in any different ways. But impact, I don't want to say you have creative freedom because that's not a real thing. But there was more freedom to explore the character than if, you know, six different writers are telling you to do one thing and two producers are telling you to do another and you just don't know who to trust or who to follow. So it was a compilation, but then by the time it started getting rolling, I just, I ran with it as far as I could. You know, and to me, in my justification here, okay, um, and I'm, I'll admit, I pay the four bucks. I think it is a month to have the Impact Plus so I can watch their weekly shows. This is a, Impact is a product that even though the in-ring product is still pretty decent, overall production has really gone down from the time you were there. And my, I guess my question to you is, is do you think Impact alone could get back to where it was, we'll say your stretch of like 2013, we'll go 2013 through like 2018, right? So we all know the highs was, was the 2000s into probably the Hogan-Bischoff era. And then you guys came along from there. Do you think it, that, that product could ever get back there? Because right now to me, when you watch it, the worst thing you could ever hear as a wrestling fan is other wrestling fans talking to each other from across the room. Yeah. You know, yeah. cracking a joker in a promo. I hate that. I think that's the most unprofessional, stupid thing that, that fans could do because it really makes it seem like there's 10 people in the crowd. Don't do that. Right. You know, how do they get out of that again? You know, it's uh, if it's a production question, you know, a lot of things change because, you know, the ownership from – Carters to the struggle towards the end of my tenure of who was taking over in this uh, to Anthem. And I think they caught some good momentum, but then, you know, pandemic, of course, hit. And then you, you're regressing back to no crowds or light crowds eventually to get back to maybe that production value. I don't know if they need to chase that or they just need to create something unique of their own because what we're doing with CYN, we have no, we have no corporate sponsorship. We have no backing. We are been funded by what we've done thus far, and a little bit like by myself and by Adam and by hard work and people that believe in the product. But what we try to do is take creative means, with the absolute least possible, to present something that looks super high end. And if you've seen what we've done, and as far as like our features. They're not films, they're features, but, you know, the cinematic wrestling, it's not cinematic wrestling as much as wrestling shot cinematically, presenting something different, gritty, raw, like in, intense, in your face, with great camera work and, you know, ingenuity. That's what we strive for, creating our own music in-house. Like Tommy Tanks, Tommy Shafter from Cleveland is our mu music producer, creating the music and the ambiance. So... I think it's looking outside the box because if you don't have, you don't have your dad's money, you know, an AEW to just throw away at any, anything you want or anything you need, and it doesn't sure. matter. It's unaccountable, or you don't have, you know, WWE's reputation and long-lasting business practices where they have the best of everything and the best people doing it. You have to think outside the box and you have to be different. And we are. Other people are still falling in line to what they think wrestling was. So we're looking to what wrestling can be. 
speaking of that, you know, I, I don't have it on my old uh, run sheet, as they call it here. <laughs> Going off script for this one, but just curious. Okay. Like Drake Maverick. I think, again, another phenomenal talent. Rockstar Spud over an impact with you. Goes over to NXT. I think he, he did very well in NXT. They eventually bump him up to that 24-7 division. Went south from there. Is that the kind of, I mean, is that the kind of, and you know, I see a smiling because I know you know about the 24-7 division. Division, like a division of dorks. What a yeah, shit show. Around. Yeah. <laughs> so, but is he, the, is, is he the kind of guy, and I, I, you know, you can't give away too much and I get it, but is he the yeah. guy who we could expect to see at a show of years down the line? Well, I don't know if you know this, but he has himself a nice office job doing what he's actually probably supposed to be always doing because he's so creative, but he's working within WWE creative. Now. Oh, good. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I did not know that. All right. I don't think he has the same. He's not. He's a way nicer person than me, so he doesn't have the hell that hate everything, angst-driven <laughs> aspect of destroying and like recreating and apocalyptic dreams. All in a family-friendly environment. This May thirteenth at the Odeon in Cleveland. But he's a very positive person, and uh, within that realm, hopefully, he if they listen to him. People can become stars because he's a very, very, very intelligent character developer. And that's why I never go off script because that question was not on there. And sure enough, I screwed up, right? So, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, some of that stuff actually stays secret. You know, create, you always hear the term creative, but you only preacher yeah. or this guy or that guy. So, no, that, that's good to know. Um, guilty pleasure question here as a wrestling fan again. In impact, I mean, my goodness, you know, Matt Hardy, Kurt Angle, who who is uh, really your couple of your favorite guys to wrestle? And listen, I'll say this like this because again, we are the exact same age. I remember being a senior in high school, you know, loving Kurt Angle, and he was brand new. I mean, how great was it? Had to be awesome. At some point, you had to put your fan hat back on for at least a minute. It was surreal, but it's also. You know, when you get put into that position, you have to be on par with them. And if you're not, which I'm not on par with Kurt Angle, nor was I then, but believing I am and believing I am is what, you know, made that successful and him being able to do what he did for me, elevating me to a new level. So, yeah, someone always asks, what was your dream match? And, you know, I'd always say someday a world title match with Kurt Angle. I had it, you know, I had it and I won. So definitely the fan hat didn't come on until maybe days after and we're sitting around a monitor and we're just talking about wrestling. And like, he said some things to me that I was like, holy, holy shit. I can't believe I'm hearing this from him. And then it was pretty surreal there, but even the moments prior and already having done the matches, I, I knew I belonged or I had to prove to myself I belonged. So that was my focus. There was another guy there in Impact, Drew Galloway, as WWE fans know as Drew McIntyre. That was one feud I was looking forward to happening in the WWE was yourself and Drew. And quite frankly, I thought that could have drew incredible money. They seemed, this is pre-pandemic, but they seemed pushing him. So he was getting that push and you were in that 24-7 division or what, again, whatever the hell we want to call that crap. So you're running around a ring chasing people and he's knocking Brock Lesnar out of the ring of the Royal Rumble. How frustrating was that knowing that you could have had unbelievable chemistry with a guy like that? And yeah, we did. Yeah. We definitely had unbelievable chemistry in impact and he's one of the best in the world, 
but I, I couldn't say I'm, I was frustrated watching him succeed and myself, you know, I'm sure. but at the same time, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's very hard to, uh, what you want to do and what you want to be that you can't achieve because no matter what you do, it's not going to matter because you're not pegged for it at the moment, which is another thing, Adam, myself, are trying to change within this industry. Like the opportunities are there if they're seized. Like we'll give them to anybody. Anybody, all you have to do is ask. If you ask, you know, back it up or you don't. And that's okay. Either way, we'll find out. So when you can't get that opportunity, like maybe I didn't deserve it. Maybe I did the wrong things. But, you know, it's hard, but then it makes you through hardship is where you find strength too. So again, everything led to this point and maybe leads to the point to have CYN live 513 at the Odeon in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Guys, that's where we're going to kind of wrap it up tonight. One more question left. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to get to yeah. But I definitely want to plug this show one more time. We will be there, Keon Sports. Going to write a full review. Very excited for it. Look, um, this, this uh, video here will be on YouTube in a matter of minutes. But regardless of that, we are going to put out an article as well. So check out KeonSports.com in the coming days for that article. You'll see a link for tickets. That being said, May 13th, down at the Odeon, Friday night. Like you said, family-friendly. There's really nothing else going on. The NFL draft will be over with by then. I think the Guardians are on the road, uh, or as we call them back here, the Indians. On our who? Yeah. <laughs> the Guardians now. So, hey, last question for you. I was going to throw in one fun one, and here it is. Obviously, you and Adam are business partner, partners. You're in this venture together. I know myself, whether it's broadcasting or writing, when you're on the road, you get hungry, you stop off for food anywhere you can find it. What can this guy put away? Because to me, Braun Strowman, uh, from videos I've seen on the on the WWE where he's done, he did the, um, they call it road trip or something. It was yeah. like, Alexa Bliss, he almost closed the Wendy's. He had so much food through the window. They had a thing with him, again, with Bliss and Ember, uh, Ember Moon at, a, at a Applebee's. He had, like, four plates in front of him. You got to tell me, what can this guy put away? I, he can put away just about damn near anything. It's almost shocking. Like, you know, he's big and he's thick. The thing is, he's also super alpha. So he's got to be the toughest. He's got to be the strongest. He's got to be the biggest. He's got to be the richest. But then when he hangs out with me, he can't be the leanest because when he's packing away a Wendy's, you know, 18 double stacks or whatever, I pull out my bag of, you know, chicken and rice cakes and I'm like, I'm good. You know, I don't need it. I'm cool. And so he won't go to that level. So it kind of frustrates him. And that's kind of my fun with him, but what he can eat is incredible. And the dude can burn like 6,000 calories at rest. So he can go on these vendors that I wish I could go on food-wise. I had this, this, and this today. I'm like, you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> and then, but like, oh, I feel real bloated. And then two days later, I'm good, you know, because like he just burns through it. So yeah. he's blessed yeah. in that sense. That's awesome. I, I had to do it. Like I said, you know, I've, I've watched so much wrestling since the time I've been four years old that when you guys go outside the box and you, you show us a little bit, about your personal life and stuff. I, I just, I love that. I think it's very, very cool. So, and we are, uh, we're honored here today. I still know him as the Deviant. I'm sorry. It's the Deviant. Right. Uh, don't call him Michael. But yeah, uh, EC3, Ethan Carter III, May 13th at the Odeon. We will see you there. And sir, uh, we will, we'll, uh, I'll talk to you between now and then. And thanks again for coming on. 
Thank you, V.